Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. The decision by the Colorado State Supreme Court to disqualify President Trump from seeking the presidency in Colorado under the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, says Lindsey Graham, is outrageous and dangerous. To the left, be careful what you wish for. And Lindsey Graham posted that on the 25-year-to-the-day anniversary of Lindsey Graham Getting Bill Clinton impeached. Good evening and welcome. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugel saying, how's your early evening gone on this particular Tuesday? We hope you are well. This is Tell Me Everything. I'm so glad to have you with us. We are live for the next three hours. Coming at you, bringing good trouble to the right wing bubble. Chris Hauselt, our executive producer, Thea Harper, producing this monster out of Brooklyn. Tonight, we're going to talk to Bob Henley the greatest labor writer in America, about what a good year unions had in 2023 and uh, how the UAW getting involved in having a stance in the Mideast war actually has a very rich history. I guess let's just get to it, shall we? Oh, quick reminders. I almost forgot. Yes, we just taped a fantastic end of the year special today for Sirius XM Progress. The Progress Avengers was myself and Zerlina Maxwell and Michelangelo Signorelli, who has a birthday today, and uh, the great Dino Badala. That's going to be airing soon. We're going to have a couple of year-end specials for this show. Also, you can see me this Friday night on MSNBC with Stephanie Rule. I think it's in primetime for a year-in-review thing. And the big, sexy liberal tour kicks off in 2024 at San Francisco's Gorgeous Herbs Theater on January 20th. My friends, January 20th, next month, will be one year to the day before a president is inaugurated in Washington, D.C., I think you want to be there because it's going to begin the craziest year of our lives. Go to sexyliberal.com. That show is going to feature Stephanie Miller and Hal Sparks and Frangela and me and some other special guests that we'll be announcing very, very soon. A lot of dates on tour next year. 
this is the year we're going to go on the road. So I hope to see you guys out there. It's always a pleasure to get away from New York and actually meet people who have Sirius XM. All right, let's get to it. Are you ready? Let's do a show. Here's the first thing I want to say on this episode. Are you ready? Support Colorado tourism. It's a beautiful state. There's, there's states you should support, and there's states that don't need your money. Support Colorado. Now, before we get into what happened, and history has been made, 2024 is going to feature state, local, and a presidential election. 2024 is going to have seven Donald Trump trials. 2024 is going to have the same people who didn't want to do anything about mass shootings and climate disasters in 2023. They're still going to be here, still saying thoughts and prayers and doing nothing to stop chaos in 2024. 2024 is going to be the first national election since a Supreme Court appointed by a reality TV celebrity who lost the popular vote, took rights away from American citizens. <laughs> 2024 is the year that everyone is going to lose their goddamn mind. And 2024 began this evening. The Colorado Supreme Court has held that Donald Trump is disqualified from holding the presidency and therefore removed from the Republican primary ballot in Colorado. The Colorado Supreme Court is the first in the nation to find that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which we have discussed so many times on this show, which disqualifies people who engage in insurrection against the Constitution after they've taken an oath to support it, they've declared it applies to Donald Trump. Not only did Colorado bar Trump from running in 2024, they, they, they ruled he engaged in insurrection. The court ruled that Trump incited the riot at the U.S. Capitol building in his effort to overturn the result of the American people after he lost the U.S. election in 2020. A majority of the court holds that Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. It was a 4-3 decision. They continued, because he is disqualified, it would be a wrongful act under the election code for the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. We do not reach these conclusions lightly, says the majority. We are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. This, this is the first time in American history that the 14th Amendment has been used to disqualify a presidential candidate. And again, they conclusively found that Trump's speech inciting the crowd was not protected by the First Amendment. Wow. The nonpartisan group Free Speech for the People, their legal advocacy organization, they filed the first 14th Amendment challenge to Donald Trump's ballot access uh, last year. They responded today uh, to Trump's ruling in Colorado by saying this is a victory for the principle that a president who loses his reelection bid must step down peacefully, not launch a bloody insurrection to intimidate Congress, disrupt the electoral count and remain in power after his term ends. We are proud to have aided the Colorado Supreme Court decision as an amicus curiae in this case. Now, there's dozens of states right now with similar cases before the courts. I mean, they had lawsuits dismissed in Minnesota and New Hampshire on procedural grounds. There was a judge in Michigan last month said that the issue was political, not for him to decide. And uh, the plaintiffs there have appealed that to the Michigan Supreme Court. But my question for you guys is, should other states follow Colorado's lead and try to throw Trump off the ballot? Or 
Is this a really dangerous, slippery slope that Democrats need to just pass by? We want to know what you think. I mean, reach for comment. The Trump campaign released a statement. Uh, Crooked election interference poisoning the blood hoax. Donate here. MAGA birth certificate. Check this box. Benghazi. That's about it. Now, the Trump campaign is going to appeal this, of course, to the U.S. Supreme Court, three of whom were hired by Donald Trump. Now, that's fascinating. Nixon thought he had ringers on his Supreme Court, too. But Rehnquist, yes, Rehnquist, the segregationist, Rehnquist recused himself from ruling on Nixon because he had worked under Nixon. So (laughs) you think Clarence Thomas is going to have the same amount of character and morals and scruples as a dead segregationist like Rehnquist? Republicans flipped out over this. They're accusing Democrats of weaponizing the courts to take out the front runner in their party. But these justices, what's remarkable is they reversed a Denver district judge's finding last month who, when this judge said Section 3 does not apply to the presidency. The Supreme Court affirmed the judge's other conclusions that Trump's actions before and on January 6th did constitute engaging in an erection, an erection, not on his best day, an insurrection. And they ruled the courts had the authority to enforce Section 3 against a person who Congress had not specifically designated. Now, I think my opinion on this is going to be unpopular. And a lot of you have already been tweeting me on this all night. I, I agree that he is disqualified from being on the ballot. I agree with everything the Supreme Court of Colorado has said. And I also think he should be kept on the ballot. I, 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 I think both sides are right here. And uh, it's going to be very interesting watching how this plays out. Look, here's the deal. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. It's, it's right there in black and white. No person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States. President is, I believe, an officer of the U.S. Who, having previously taken an oath... To support the Constitution, yes, I do believe the president swore an oath of office, shall have engaged in insurrection. As Dean Obadala put it, Trump didn't just engage in the January 6th insurrection. Donald Trump was the insurrection. If he simply accepted his loss, there would never have been a January insurrection. But this whole case really hung on a couple of very interesting questions. Was it in fact insurrection when Trump supporters stormed the Capitol on January 6th to stop the certification? It was. It was also terrorism. But if, if, if so, did Trump engage in that insurrection through his messages to his supporters in advance? The speech he gave that morning, the tweets he kept putting out during the attack. Was he engaging in the insurrection? Do courts have the authority to enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment without Congress getting involved? And does Section 3 apply to the presidency? And again, Judge Sarah Wallace, who made the original ruling, in, in Colorado, it said yes to everything but the last one. Now, the section of the 14th Amendment that they're citing here was created, as you guys probably know, you listen to progress, so I assume you're smarter than most people. And that includes you right-wing trolls who listen to this channel because you like to get so angry because it gets your heart rate up. I know it's, you might not like this, but if you listen to this channel, even as a right-wing hate troll, it will make you smarter. So be warned. You don't want that to happen. Then you'll have critical thinking skills and you won't be easily flattered by Donald Trump. But let me get back to this. The the section of the 14th Amendment this all hinges on was created to stop former Confederate officials from holding office in the U.S. It was written in 1868 to keep people out of office who had previously engaged in trying to overthrow the government. And let's not forget, Donald Trump is the most pro-Confederate president since Andrew Johnson. So if the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to Donald Trump, then it doesn't apply to anybody. 
And even if January 6th terror attack never happened, my friends, the lies, the fraud, the fake elector scheme already show that he tried to throw out the will of the voters and the Electoral College. Now, if the Supreme Court takes this case up, there's going to be a whole lot of other Trump-related matters they're going to have to decide, like whether he's immune from criminal prosecution for things he did in office, or how big the obstruction charge can be that's central to the uh, federal case for January 6th. My take is this is this is a bad idea. I, it's a it's right and a bad idea at the same time. And I, I here's the part I'm going to be honest with you. I I'm not one of these radio guys who pretends to know everything. I'm really willing to be convinced otherwise on things. I always invite anyone. Please convince me. I'm not fixed at anything. I can be swayed. But the text of the 14th Amendment, it's clear. I agree. Anyone who takes part in insurrection is permanently barred from public office. Donald Trump engaged in a violent insurrection to overthrow democracy. Of course, he is unfit to be on a ballot for the presidency. He should be banned from the presidency forever. He's disqualified. I get it. And this has never happened before. But what does it mean now? Well, the first thing it means is that Donald Trump is going to turn up his martyrdom and victorhood to levels we've never imagined. Oh, my God. He's fundraising off of this right now. Trump's sympathy is going to be enormous. We don't even know how violent his fans will get if he goads them the right way. I'm also a bit worried that this is going to open up Democrats to charges of hypocrisy. Is it true that Donald Trump tried to throw out our democracy? Yes. Is it true that the Republican Party can't stand democracy? Hell yes. They say they hate government. That's not true. They love government. They hate one person, one vote. That's what they hate. And yes, our democracy is on the ballot. Our democracy is at stake. And, and here's where I'm going to lose some of you. And you can call. Let me know I'm wrong. How are Democrats going to stand there and say, we are the ones fighting for democracy? And then say, you can't vote for who you want to vote for in the state of Colorado. Sorry. No. Donald Trump. You, you, you can't vote for Donald Trump. Anyone else but him. You write, write in anybody. And you can't do write-in ballots for Donald Trump, by the way. Part of this ruling, the Secretary of State is authorized to not count any write-in ballots for Donald Trump. You can't vote for him in the state. Have you ever heard of this happening? The problem I have is that this ruling in itself is anti-democratic. This opens up Democrats to incredible charges of hypocrisy. It will be used to fundraise against Democrats. It may lead to violence. And yes, they're right. Of course they're right. He should be thrown off the ballot. Legally, I can't argue with it. Politically, I'm a little concerned. The right wing is going to scream that Donald Trump has never been convicted of insurrection in a state court, in a federal court. And that's probably going to be the reason the Supreme Court will use to overturn this. But the 14th Amendment, by the way, doesn't mention he has to be convicted. So that argument's bullshit. Many Confederates were never convicted, but they were still barred from holding office. He's going to be screaming election interference, election interference. And no, it's not true. It's American legal interference. That's what he did. He interfered with our democracy. I mean, they're going to scream that this is disenfranchisement of millions of voters from the Colorado Supreme Court. And they're right. But it's done in defense of democracy because Donald Trump tried to disenfranchise 81 million Americans from their vote. Again, when you hear these arguments... This is what you say back. <laughs> I'm not saying I agree with this all the way, but I already know the bullshit they're going to throw at us. The voters should decide, right? And I'm sorry, I still agree with that. 
I kind of feel like the Colorado Supreme Court may have just played into Trump's hands a bit. You better get used to hearing the word rigged a lot for the next few months. And I do believe in a democracy the voters should get to decide. And it's Colorado. Biden won this state easily. Guys. So what does this mean? Uh, partially, I, 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 I want to fear that Democrats are court solar like the dog who caught the car themselves now. I've said it about Republicans for so long with Roe v. Wade. You finally got what you wanted. Now you're screwed. Democrats haven't been pushing for this. Some have, some haven't. And it was some independent groups that filed it. It wasn't the Democratic Party or individual legislators. Now we're going to see how it plays out. And it very well may be overturned by the Supreme Court, but it's going to feed both narratives. I mean, it's going to help Trump, no doubt. He'll fundraise off of it. He'll say they don't want us to run. They're, um, they're trying to silence you. They're, you. The voters should decide. The Biden narrative? <laughs> Folks, would you look at this chaos? Would you look at this chaos? He does this. He keeps saying these. Over the weekend, he was quoting Hitler, quoting Hitler, talking about poisoning the blood of our nation, quoting Hitler. And now this. Folks, do you want to go back to this chaos or do you want to have nice grandpa who led you all out of COVID and got the unemployment rate so low? I'm glad this came from the courts. The courts are how we fight this. This is my, my theme for the end of the year. Organized labor and the courts. Alex Jones and the Sandy Hook parents. E. Jean Carroll and Donald Trump. Dominion and Fox News. We use the judicial branch to petition the government for redress of grievances. I think it's great. This is the best way to fight him. <sighs> In closing, this will give Donald Trump a chance to do something he loves, hire more lawyers. And I, I'm going to agree, no matter how this case ends up, his disqualification in Colorado is no doubt a victory for democracy. And he's not getting away here with inciting an insurrection. So I'm happy about that. Again, legally, I'm with it. Politically, I'm nervous. And again, the Colorado Supreme Court decision will not matter in the primaries because the rest of the states will have him on the primary ballot and most likely the U.S. Supreme Court will overrule the Colorado Supreme Court anyway. I mean, the Supreme Court will most likely state that Trump needs to be convicted in federal court before you can disqualify him from being on a state ballot. And that's how they're going to get around it and pretend that they're being ethical about it. But Colorado has 10 electoral votes. Biden got them all last time. You know, if we start taking these potentially available votes off the board, the path to 270 just became a lot. Well, it became 10 votes easier for Biden today and 10 votes harder for Trump. I mean, we don't even know if Trump is even going to try to win in Colorado. Now, to actual Republicans, congratulations, I guess. You guys are one step closer, tiny step, to trying to get your party back. To you Trumpers, I saw Trumpers online who were so outraged they were talking about seceding. I would love it if you did. The Colorado Supreme Court disqualifies Trump based on the 14th Amendment, how we dealt with Confederates, and now y'all are looking for civil war. You know what? Please keep making yourself look like idiots. Please, you make my job so easy. And again, yes, the Secretary of State is barred from counting any write-in votes for Trump. It is justice. But is it also anti-democratic? Yes, Trump should be punished. Is it the same as punishing voters in Colorado who want to vote for Trump? I'm, you're going to be mad at me for this. I'm just asking questions here because I don't pretend to have the answers. My feeling is, let's have this fight. Let's watch it play out. Let's make Trump's campaign bleed even more. And if you're a Republican who's really mad about this, please send Donald Trump money. Please send him lots of money right now. Make checks out to Trump University or the Trump Foundation to prove to us you're not a sucker. My advice to Democrats and liberals and leftists and progressives and moderates and anti-evil people, just stay calm. 
stay calm. People are going to flip out about this, and they will be flipping out about this every day through Christmas. We can talk about it. We can debate it. We don't need to lose our minds. Let them lose their minds. You guys stay calm like Obi-Wan. Do your thing. Don't get flustered. Focus on high turnout for 2024 Election Day. That's all that matters. That's how I want to see Donald Trump lose the presidency a third time, or at least the popular vote. That's how Donald Trump has to go down. I want to see him compete, and I want to see him lose fair and square, so he has nothing to complain about for the rest of his life, and for his loyal, obedient terrorists to claim as proof it was rigged against him. Just stay calm. And as for me, I think Donald Trump should spend millions of dollars to get himself back on the ballot in Colorado. In fact, I fully support Donald Trump harvesting billions of dollars from MAGA in furious donations over the next two days and spend all of it to get himself back on the ballot in Colorado before we get to the election and he loses all of Colorado's electoral votes anyway. <laughs> it's all for a state he's going to lose, folks. We want to know what you think. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT, and we'll be right back with your calls and with the great... Bob Henley. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. I am so excited to have our next guest back on the show one last time this year. I cannot quote this man enough, but let me just quote briefly from a piece of his in the Village Voice that comes out tomorrow. Union density, which is widely credited with creating the largest middle class in the world history, declined from about one in three households in the 1950s to slightly over 10% today. When the percentage of unionized public sector workers is removed from that calculation, just 6% of the private sector workforce is actually unionized today. As it turns out, a diminished labor movement not only meant lower wages, but it also helped derail social progress as we saw with the Dodd decision and the wholesale rollback of reproductive rights. It should come as no surprise that at the same time, corporations successfully shifted their tax burden on 
to individuals. These are the words of Robert Henley, an award-winning investigative journalist with a 40-year career covering the economy, corruption, labor, homeland security, immigration, environmental policy, and so much more. He was senior reporter at WNYC for 12 years. You may have seen him or read him in the New York Times, the Miami Herald, 60 Minutes, C-SPAN, or PBS NewsHour, or Salon. It is always a great joy to welcome Mr. Henley back to the show. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me, and it's just uh, what a great... uh uh, this this period of time is it's it's such a, a great opportunity to be able to speak with you because there's not a lot of places that uh, that the actual circumstances of the American working class gets out and so yeah. I do so appreciate that opportunity. Oh well, I, I listen. I so appreciate you using your talents and expertise. For organized labor. I mean, unions have always been the strongest voice working people have ever had in this country, whether you like them or not. That's just true. And I'm quoting from a new piece you have in the Village Voice uh, called Can a Union Revival Save America's Soul? I, I got to tell you, Bob, it's, I, I don't know when the last time I, I spoke to you at the end of a year and there was so much good news about labor. I mean, as you put in your piece, automakers, actors, writers, nurses, and a long list of other occupations were fed up enough that they walked off their job by the tens of thousands. National Labor Relations Board reported last year receiving over 2,500 applications for workplace union representation. I mean, I don't know much about the numbers, Bob, but it sounds historic to me. Well, one of the things is that there's also the labor union movement really hit a, a, a decline when you look at what happened with Ronald Reagan and Packer. We've talked about that before in the early 1980s. That summary firing of all the air traffic controllers, who, and here's something ironic, wanted a four-day week because of the nature of the job yep. that they were uh, entrusted with. And what's crazy is the issues that they got fired for raising because they had the nerve to go on strike because they were concerned about themselves and the public. The New York Times has reported those conditions are worse today and have continued. As anyone who has to fly in America knows, we have not invested with to keep up with the demand that mm-hmm. this system and the marketplace puts on it. And so one of the realities is that the great wins that came with the recent victory of Sean Fan in the UAW was a consequence of the uh, massive corruption scandal that took close to uh, 20 members of the UAW top leadership out because they had sold out their membership for some uh, some millions of dollars and, and from Chrysler Fiat uh, to Chrysler Fiat. And that was turned around only because, in an unprecedented move, the special master... Uh, that had been part of the criminal case, the follow-through, ordered a direct election for the first time uh, for all the members of the UAW, both retired and active, to actually vote. And Sean Fain was elected out of that revival. So there's a lesson here about the ability of direct democracy to overcome systemic corruption. Well, I I agree, but I want to even go deeper because... This new piece of yours, Bob, that's in the Village Voice, I'm going to be posting this on social media and sending this to everybody I love for Christmas because you go even deeper into, well, you use the word in the title, soul, and into the deep moral universe that that unions have always been a part of. You write, historically, 
It was unions like UAW under the leadership of Walter Ruther that made the connection between their support of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s work on social justice with the broader labor movement agenda. Similarly, the nation's power structure continued to support the war in Vietnam. It was unions like the UAW, the News Guild, and the Transportation Workers Union that backed the anti-war McGovern over President Nixon. You're so right in pointing out that throughout history, organized labor has stood up not just for the labor rights, but for basic human rights as well. Well, and so the concept of acting in common interest and acting in the collective interest is something that we are, is coming back into vogue thanks to this younger generation. And what happened during the pandemic, and we've talked about this before, was corporations and the government failed the, the public in a profound way. That's why you had the great resignation over 40 some odd million people uh, left their current employment. That's almost four times the size of the FLCO total membership. So the balance of power between workers and work changed. And you're still trying to deal with that because the people now are taking the idea that they have to act in their interest and their family's interest. That's very powerful. That's why you're seeing the UAW, and 1199 SAIU being in the vanguard calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Well, there we go. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on December 1st, right, they, the UAW announced that they are they're joining the groups that are calling for a ceasefire. And as you point out, that same day, SEIU, our largest healthcare union, half a million members put out a call for a ceasefire. Well, now, ask yourself, did you, this is over, the, between the million folks retired and active that are part of the UAW and the half million 1199 members, you think that would be a big news story? Did you read about it anywhere? <laughs> no, nowhere. Well, no, I, I did. Yes, because we played, we talked about it on this show, Bob. We talked yes, about it. Did. We That's played, right. I, we, I played a clip with Chris the other night of Sean Fain uh, calling for a ceasefire. So, yeah, we did it, but I don't really know if I heard it elsewhere in corporate media. Well, and so one of the other things about this, too, is pressing ahead, looking what's happening with the disaster that COVID was on the American population. Four percent of the world's population, 12 percent of the COVID deaths, the most expensive healthcare system in the world with the poorest outcomes, with a sliding life expectancy. And who is holding this for profit system accountable? It's nurses and healthcare professionals through Thank their you. union. And so that's we saw that with SEIU, with um, with dealing with Kaiser Permanente, there was uh, 80,000 workers went out for three days in several states of Washington, D.C., and they came back uh, thanks to acting Labor Secretary Julie uh, Sue, who intervened by improving the workplace and in, improving the protections for patients. And that's the other mm-hmm. thing the. Um, whether it be nurses at Robert Wood Johnson with the Steelworkers Local Dash 4200 that went on strike since August. They just settled, John. Do you know the hospital, the Fagazi nonprofit that paid their CEO $16 million during the pandemic for the second year? They spend $130 million on strike breaking nurses, and yet the nurses prevailed by they making did. sure there is safer staffing. That's not just to benefit them. That's to benefit anyone who's ever going to have a loved one in the hospital. 
And, you know, I, I think we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, Bob, but these tens of thousands of union health care workers for Kaiser who, who got who won a 21 percent pay increase. I think that's the sort of picket line Joe Biden needs to be seen on. I, I didn't want to see him go to Screen Actors Guild. I know they'd clobber him with that, but I, I'm not content with seeing this president on one picket line. I think the smart play for working America is to show up again and again. Healthcare workers seem like exactly where the Democratic Party should show their leadership supporting. Well, one of the problems is that he has got to animate the electorate, particularly the 85 million low wealth, low wage workers who make up a huge, like one third of the voters in this country. In in 20, uh, 2016, uh, only 46 percent of those folks um, turned out. And so when those folks stay home, Democrats lose. When they vote, mm. we saw what can happen in Michigan in the 2022 congressional elections and in Pennsylvania. And so part of it is Democrats have a credibility problem. There's that minimum wage. They can talk union yep. all they want. It's been at 725 since Obama's been in. Yep. It's still there. Um, yep. They decided to raise the expanded child tax credit for six months lifting millions of children out of poverty. And then Joe Manson wanted to uh, crack the whip of the plantation owner because uh, he thought people were doing drugs and not working. And they pulled that rug out from underneath. Working yeah, is it family. fair to blame the Dems for that? Fair to blame the Dems for that? That was Manson all the way, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But also the thing is that when you, you have to account for that, when you open up a conversation, there's the same thing is true when after the uh, pandemic, when we decided, hey, you know what? It really makes sense. Let's. This is a mass death event that of a contagious uh, respiratory virus. Let's get as many people on health care as possible so that uh, they have coverage and they'll, they'll go to the doctor. That might be good to keep all of America alive. And then as soon as we think it's over, we tell the states, and I love this euphemism, let's unwind Medicaid and see what happens. Well, That's boys right. and girls, in New York State, 800,000 people lost their health care in just New York State. If you look around the country, it's millions. We got to a point during the pandemic that we'd almost reached the highest percent. I think we did reach the highest percentage of covered people. And then we undid it when we thought the pressure was off. Well, I mean, and this year, what does it say, Bob, that this year in the aftermath of COVID, as you put it, when thousands and thousands of essential workers died from their workplace exposure to COVID, 450,000 union workers were willing to resort to a strike, a 900 percent increase from just two years ago. Bob, wh why is this happening now? I mean, is it just a new generation? Did, did, did UAW just have to clear the old weight out of the way for a guy like Fain to take over and inspire everyone? I mean, it just seems to be so grassroots popping up all over the place. And it sure isn't coming from Democratic leadership. It's just coming from people spontaneously everywhere. Well, I think it's uh, a couple of generations of wealth transfer. I uh, heard Senator Sanders say it was something like $50 trillion dollars of wealth that migrated from the working class to the upper 1%. And so we saw this. We have not had le levels of wealth inequality like this since the Gilded Age. And and that is now, people have reacted to that. And that's what the case, that's why the American people, by record numbers, support unions. That's why when the UAW went uh, in the court of public opinion, they prevailed because mm -hmm. That during the auto uh, crisis, when the Great Recession happened and um, the entire auto industry went was could go down the tubes, it was the auto workers that stepped up and took all kinds of concessions. There was yeah. a recovery 
and the big uh, executives had un- uh, huge uh, payouts, stock buybacks, and the rest, and they forgot the piece of equity that was the contribution of of the American union movement in the form of the concessions. Plus this business of a tiered workforce, this has been something very pernicious. Thank you. Where they decided to sell the unborn and say, Oh yeah, you're going to do the same work as your father, but you know what? Labor's cheap and you're going to pay the price for it. That divides the movement. And then also young people are cynical at that point with you. That's right. They don't see the benefit if they're in a surf like condition because their birthday is, uh, you know, is more recent. That's it, Bob. I got to I got to tell you, it's 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 even worse than that. I spent some time in Detroit talking to water union workers about this 10 years ago for a PBS documentary. And, the you know, Obama and Biden, God bless them for saying we saved the auto industry. One of the ways they did that was because the UAW agreed to this two-tier system where, yes, if you're already employed, you'll keep your benefits, you'll keep your salary, the same kind of salary that allowed us to build the middle class in the 50s. You can work the line in Detroit and somehow you'll be able to climb the economic ladder and be able to have a better life for your kids. We've all been sold Detroit as the American dream model. But under the two-tier plan, all new employees would be paid a fraction of the cost. So you'd be on the assembly line doing the same job as the person next to you, but being paid for half the money. Now, I think it's great because that'll show people what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. But this has been kind of the big lie for me for 15 years over this whole claim of, oh, Obama saved Detroit. Well, they saved the industry, but they didn't save the standard of living for these workers. Bob, how significant is this guy, Fain? Well, I think he's a once in a generation uh, leader uh, who also it's about timing, too. And I think that he is also... Uh, been tactical. So the innovation that he made was going after all three automakers at the same time, but then skillfully targeting the plants where they, you know, not all of them. And so at any given time, I think under 20,000 workers were actually on strike. So he did it by keeping their powder dry in the form of their strike fund, not blowing through it. And he also understood the moment. And so also, the coup of having the president show up, I think that was helpful. There yeah. was also, um, it's, it's also, you have to, it's not just Sean Fain, too. It's an entire uh, generation that's come along for the ride. If you call at the district level, you'll find the same kind of fired-up attitude. Um, and so it is contagious. And there's nothing more contagious than success itself. Look at what's happened with, uh, like I think uh, it was Labrigini is now offering like a four day work week. Um, these companies that are non union had to, you know, uh, it's called they call it the UAW bump. They had to rise to meet the occasion because the truth is the balance of power between labor and capital has been altered by this uh, yes. this mass death event. And that's the other piece of this. Like it's you really can't true. lose one point one million people and millions more disabled by long COVID and not have it have an impact on, on, on labor economy. And then add to that this enlightenment where people, the light bulb's gone off, and they understand that they have to act in their collective interest. We are the solution to all of our problems. I, I know we've talked about Sean Fain a lot, but can I just ask you to, for those who don't remember, what was it the Teamsters did for UPS this year that helped their negotiations and helped well, them course, get a better deal? Was, uh, John O'Brien, of course, and that's a kind of similar story because 
in that case, what happened was uh, the prior UPS contract, which is a big chunk of the Teamster workforce, they voted it down. Rank and file voted it down, but they didn't do it by sufficient numbers, two thirds. And so Hoffa imposed a contract that majority of his members rejected. And so we saw that same kind of grassroots movement that had been at work for years. And that's the other thing to understand. These folks that were on the outside that were uh, so-called dissidents or rebels within their own unions, this, for many of these people, was a lifetime project to democratize these unions. Mm -hmm. And so there's a total analogy for the way our democracies become so vulnerable and atrophied and what happened to the union movement and the revival they're experiencing. So here's my question for you then, sir, because in uh, last month, Sean Fain announced a really ambitious union organizing drive to go after the 150,000 workers who are employed by the 13 non-union automakers. I love this kind of aggression. Do you think this is going to be the new model, that we're going to see a relentless push now to scare the auto workers and let them know that they're not going to be able to have non-union labor forever? I think this is so inspiring. This is like what real leadership looks like. Well, and I think, well, like I said, nothing's more contagious than success. And one of the other things that came out of the pandemic is that folks that had representation, and there's strong research on this, if you were um, working in a congregate care facility, taking care of people, and you were represented by a union, your chances of surviving the pandemic were enhanced because there was someone acting in your collective interest, your agent, as the as the as an uh, opposing force or accountability, if you will, for management, and that's the kind of thing that sticks with people. That that memory of that is the kind of thing that endures. And I, I do think also we're we're seeing this kind of um, the the central authority, the idea that that the the, the boss knows best. Every organization is having to kind of reevaluate themselves because what's happening is people are this whole thing about getting workers to come back to work. All of this is now a conversation. It used to be just a straight out order and command. You're right. You're right. So, Bob, as the year ends, here's the million dollar question. What are you looking forward to next year? What is giving you the most hope? Well, I would say that. Um, hope well certainly the biggest challenge is going to be to make sure that 2024 uh, the campaign and the debate is about the circumstance of the american people and about what needs to happen for them to improve their circumstance and that has just been lost in this conversation about these two old white guys and so i think it's time to get back to basics and find out how do we engage those 85 million low-wage and low-wealth voters that Reverend Barber described as the sleeping giant? Because in order to really put this insurrection to rest, which is still roiling through our system, I mean, even now we have all of this that's happening, and we didn't get to talk about what's happening in the cities with the I'm urban sorry we didn't. that were full-blown, but we have a Congress that cannot act on the issues of the day because they haven't reached consensus who won the presidential election in 2020. Now, that's what I call a stuck nation. (laughs) 
Bob, you are the greatest player in the game. Everyone needs to follow Mr. Henley at Stuck Nation on the Twitters and all the other apps. And the new piece has to be read. Bob, I love this. It's such a great way to end the year. And I'm sharing it with everybody in the Village Voice. Can a union revival save America's soul? You had like nine other pieces out that I wanted to talk about, but this one inspired me so much. We work on volume, John. (laughs) Bob, thank you so much for bringing your passion and your guts to our show. Always great to have you. Have a great one. We'll be right back with your calls, everybody. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Let's get back to the phones, everybody. We're going to be taking your calls all night long from this point on, all the way until midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. Jay in North Carolina has been on hold since the Ford administration. Jay, thank you for your patience. Welcome. You're on progress. Yeah, I just also want to remind everybody that uh, uh, it's been overshadowed that Dark Meadows is now no longer. Let's put it this way. The dark part of the South is staying in the South. He has to be tried in Georgia. That's right. And he was trying so hard to get a white jury. I'm sorry, a federal jury. Um, Yeah. yeah, This guy is dirtier than Chris Christie's hamper. And I do want to, you know, point out that his ineptitude is really the unsung hero of the legal struggles against Donald Trump. Meadows is the dumb fuck who actually sent all of those Republican text messages to the January 6th committee and then realized he did it and tried to sue them. Like Fox News had to pay all that money in Dominion, you could argue, because we all got to read those text messages and Tucker and everyone and we learned how deeply they were all willfully lying like Meadows is really not a bright guy no Mm-mm. he's a he's a pride of this area where I am right now but uh he's not and he's not bright is at he all. popular there is he popular there though I, mean, I don't really just... know yeah I don't yeah. really know you know we got another I you know I don't think so then we got like uh the other the other great uh hero from here is, is uh, Madison Cawthorn. And, uh, but he was shoved out and we got this other guy who's a, yeah, it was really awful how they uh, how they really got rid of Madison Cawthorn just because of things he actually said and did. I, I just thought that was so unfair. <laughs> yeah. 
the way yeah. they held him accountable for shit he actually did. He's trying to run around now saying that he has been proven right about everything, I guess, because a couple of staffers were screwing in the Senate interview room. Uh, but he seems like he's still there being in a ghoul around North Carolina. He's in Florida. I think he moved to Florida. Oh, Florida. Well, there you go. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got rid of him. But uh, Patriotic guy. It, it, really, really uh, traditional guy close to home, but unless he wants to move to Florida. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, well, I'm really making this area sound great, aren't I? We got. Uh, Listen, I love but, North Carolina. Where, where in the state are you? I have family in Asheville. I'm, I'm sorry. What about Asheville? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Asheville where? area. Oh, you are in Asheville. That's where my brother the, lives. I, I, you live in the beautiful part of North Carolina, man. This is yeah. This is really God's country. It's really beautiful, as they say. Yeah. Um, and I'm from New York. I grew up there, and I always say that I came here to make the purple state more purple. So that's and I thank you for it. That makes you yeah. a hero in my book. That's why my brother moved there. Thank you so yeah. much for the call, Jay. I really appreciate it. Have a great evening. We are Mark at 866. Meadows, yes? Uh, is a registered voter hey. in South Carolina now. I know. He oh, he is? Across, he moved across the border, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the 11th Circuit rejecting his bid to get his Georgia trial into federal court. I mean, it's it's really amazing because it shows that courts really don't like Donald Trump's claims of immunity. Like... <laughs> I mean, the the judge in the Meadows case pretty much says the alleged conduct was not a presidential function. Like these these guys are just the dumb is always greater than the evil, folks. The appeals court wrote for Mark Meadows because federal officer removal does not apply to former federal officers. And even if it did, the events giving rise to this criminal action were not related to Meadows official duties. Mark Meadows has just run out of opportunities to avoid jail without throwing Trump under the bus. Wouldn't you say, Chris, at this point, his options are going to be face a guilty verdict in due time or give yeah. somebody up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sweet. It's like porn for the angels. Let me go to Sean in California. Sean, thank you for your patience on hold. Welcome. You're on progress. Hey, brother. Well, you know, the one thing, you know, I don't know these judges, but I have known a couple of judges in my old-ass lifetime. And the one thing that they actually just completely despise is when there's an overt, just complete, obvious act to delay a trial. Because they got a docket, they got their lives too, and they know when someone's making a completely frivolous claim. And that's, that's exactly what Meadows did. And so, you know, look, Donald bin Laden's been doing that his whole career. That's all he does is delay and delay and yeah. delay and delay and cost people a lot of money. And there's no fucking way he's worth $2.6 billion. So people, please stop that. You don't think so? You don't think, he, you don't think so? Maybe if he combined the, 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 the worth of all of his real estate holdings, it wouldn't be $2 billion? If he sold everything right now, if he sold everything, he, he if he sold everything right now, he would have two billion dollars. I don't know if it's quite that much because all of it has debt associated to it. You're exactly right. Well, That's don't. exactly the point. I, I, I mean, the Deutsche Bank whistleblower said that you know Vladimir Putin owns two billion of Donald Trump's debt. I would believe Trump, that hello. very much because he could because no American banks would loan him money anymore. That's why he had to go to Hitler's bank. Hey, yes, Chris. Trump. Trump never made a lot of money off of real estate. In fact, he was more or less destitute until. 
uh, the yeah. Apprentice happened, and then he was the king of debt. There you and go. Then, no, no, not he, even the Apprentice, Chris, because the then, Apprentice was failing. When he became celebrity Apprentice, that's what right. saved his life. So, but and the way that that saved his life is that it gave him a notoriety where he could sell his name. And so yes. there are a lot of buildings all around the world that he doesn't own, but he sold them the rights to put his name on the building. And mm. that's right. And that's what no, made he's all, right. That's what made him all that money. And then that all stopped when he became. Yeah, it's a, he's a brand licensor. That's it. He's a brand licensor. But he still isn't a two point six billion dollar Lambright. You know, <laughs> my thing. So I'm going to try to walk you off the ledge real quick, if I can. Because, talk me off the ledge, please. Uh, yes, talk you off the ledge with the Colorado. The decision was 100% correct. I mean, we have someone, like I say treason, okay, but I understand that you have to charge someone. And right that dog wouldn't hunt. And I okay. understand also that, you know, you're not going to be able to get sedition. Okay, I get this. But the point is, he did, he was the leader of an interaction. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. We got to hit a break, so, but I'm with you, Sean. Thank you. I got, I'm so sorry, but Chris is going to yell at me, putting me in jail. I'm not arguing with anything. The legality, yes, he is not qualified to hold office. That's not the part that worries me. I'm still on my ledge. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fuglesang. This is Sirius XM Progress, and we are taking your calls for the next hour live, interactive, coast-to-coast at 866-997-4748. I want to play a quick clip. This is uh, earlier today. Former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor's funeral service. Here's President Biden remarking on how the first female Supreme Court justice did what men had done, only better. How she embodied such attributes under such pressure and scrutiny help empower generations of women in every part of American life, including the court itself, helping to open doors, secure freedoms, and prove that a woman can not only do anything a man can do, but many times do it a heck of a lot better. Excuse my language, Father. Um, That's great and very lovely. I think we've reached the point where Joe Biden can take a break from praising uh, right wing people he likes and admires so much. Just uh, thought, you know, it's nice nice you spoke there. It was lovely. Uh, Let's 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 turn the fire on now. You might have heard this, but Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed some rather unusual legislation today that's going to authorize state officials to arrest and uh, try to deport migrants 
who have crossed the U.S.-Mexico border without authorization. This is going to take effect in March. Um, critics say this is deeply unconstitutional. The law makes it a state misdemeanor to illegally cross the border. That's all it is. It's a misdemeanor if you cross the border. I don't know of any other misdemeanors in this country where they can steal your children away from you, but that's that's all it is. Uh, this law now makes it a second degree felony for illegal reentry with punishments ranging from 180 days in jail to 20 years in prison. It permits a judge to order an undocumented person to return to Mexico. It's most certainly going to face a lot of legal challenges, but this is going to be the new playing field for uh, immigration in 2024 because Greg Abbott knows wisely that being incredibly shitty and cruel to the Christian refugees at our border trying to seek a better life here plays really well with the fake Christians. Here is Governor Greg Abbott lauding Bill SB4 making illegal immigration into Texas an arrestable offense. Cartels advertise on TikTok and enticing residents to make a quick buck. Too often the smugglers are released back out on the streets. What Senate Bill 4 does is it puts an end to that process. It creates a mandatory 10-year minimum prison sentence for smuggling illegal immigrants. It also creates a five-year minimum prison sentence for operating a stash house in Texas. I want to thank Senate sponsor Pete Flores and House sponsor Ryan Guillen for getting this to my desk. Now, let's just get some facts here. The overwhelming majority of undocumented immigrants in this country are not people who cross the border illegally. They're people who overstay their visas. Overwhelmingly the majority. Where's the Republican plan to go after these people? There is none. Because you have to beat up on brown people for votes. There are 50,000 Irish illegally living in this country. 50,000 undocumented workers from Ireland who overstayed their visas, never went home when it was time. What is the Republican plan to locate and deport these 50,000 Irish? None. They're white. They don't care about them. They're not going to get any votes by beating up on white immigrants. They don't care. They will never talk about 50,000 Irish walking among us. Well, what about all the hiring? I mean, those immigrants are here because white people are giving them jobs, right? Donald Trump has given undocumented workers jobs in, in two centuries. Undocumented workers built Trump Tower, and he's hired them at his golf clubs in the 21st century. Well, what's, what's the plan, Greg Abbott, to go after these white people who are putting up the help wanted sign? The white people who are dangling these jobs are the reason all these folks are crossing the border in the first place. What's the plan to go after them? There is none because you don't get votes by beating up on white people who break the law. It's all racism, folks. It's bullshit and it's racism. And if they wanted the border crossings to stop, they'd start locking up the Caucasians who do the hiring right now. But they know our economy would collapse. So they keep this pantomime going and the democrats don't call them out at the white house press briefing kareen jean pierre suggested that these ruthless laws like greg abbott's they're not doing anything to make texans safer this is an extreme law that will not and does not uh, make the communities in texas safer it just doesn't and i think to add to that is that uh, it is very much in line with what republicans uh, many republicans uh, like to do or tend to do which is deem demonize uh, immigrants and also uh, dehumanize immigrants. This is part of this. 
And so uh, this is not who we are as a country. This is not who we should be as a country. Uh, communities should not, should not be uh, individually uh, targeted and put into, into harm's way. And this is what we're seeing. Uh, again, you know, this is something that Governor Abbott has done over and over again. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as Donald Trump said, all great cultures from the past have perished only because the originally creative race died out from blood poisoning. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Hitler. Hitler said that (laughs) Donald Trump is literally talking about immigrants, African-American immigrants, Asian and Latino as poisoning the blood of the body politic. It's all about the racism, folks. They could drive them all out tomorrow if they wanted, but they want the votes more. And they have come to believe they need the umbrage. They need the outrage. They need the racism. They need the scapegoats. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's go to the phone. Steve in Pennsylvania on Live 5. Steve, thank you so much for your patience on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Uh, this is Dave from Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm so sorry, Dave. I don't know why. I'm sorry about that. No, you're Steve now. <laughs> now you're Steve. You've been you've been dead named. You've been you've been rechristened. But sorry, uh, Dave. My apologies. Oh, uh, great. I have to change my driver's license. Yeah, sorry about that. You can keep your gender. We'll allow that. All right. Well, you know, I've been trying. I've been meaning to call. And I've been super busy last week. Uh, you realize that uh, back on the fourth, it's been 30 years since we lost Frank Zappa. Yeah, we talked about it that night. 30 years to the day. Yeah. I got like three quotes from him that I'd like to share with you, if you don't mind. Please. Uh, There's been an incredible rise in racist and fascist attitudes here, most of them being helped out along by the Republican Party. Uh, What has happened to the presidency as an institution in the United States is a disaster. It's not a matter of conservative versus liberal. It's a matter of fascist versus freedom. Boom. And then then the one comes from him being on, um, I believe it was on Crossfire, we're doing the biggest threat towards America today is not communism. It's moving America towards a fascist theocracy. When you have a government hmm. that uh, prefers a certain moral code, moral code derived from a certain religion, and that moral code turns into legislation to suit one certain religious point of view, and if that code Ooh. happens to be very, very right wing, almost towards Attila the Hun, and the, he was saying this like 35 years ago, almost 40 hmm. years ago. And we're there, man. Yeah, we're there. Boy, we've come a long he way since then, haven't we? We've come so wall. far. Yeah, he called it out then because it's always the same conflict. It's always greed masquerading as virtue, greed trying to get the low wattage white people to do its bidding. It, it's it's the same story all the time. It's the same kind of racket. It's the same kind of con. Zappa told the truth. That's why he threatened people. Yep. And uh, for those that we lost this year um, with Tina Turner, I have to say... Like I said before, her cover of Sam Cooke, The Change is Going to Come, is just so hauntingly beautiful, and it's a soul-filled spiritual right in line with Isaac Hayes' Soulsville, you know? It's so yeah. moving and touching and hopeful at the same time. Yeah. You There's know? a great version of that. Uh, she did it in the version from the 80s, right, with Robert Cray playing guitar? It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. 86, I think. Uh, and Robert Cray is a hero of mine. He's just he's just such the real deal. But I, I love that version of A Change is Going to Come. And uh, happy happy 79th birthday to uh, Tim Reed, a.k.a. Venus Flytrap on WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> nice. I had no idea. Happy birthday. Yeah. All right. All Have right, a good man. night, John. 
You too. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. We're at 866-997-4748. Oh, and I should talk about this first. This is, I, I, I just, are you ready for the what the fuck story of the day? This is going to be really overshadowed by everything we've heard. But um, in the midst of all the madness circulating out there and Greg Abbott and, oh, and by the way, COVID's coming back. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, almost every state is showing very high levels very high levels so uh get terrified again but we might be getting the the what do you call it the um uh, jeffrey epstein names kind of soon i i i generally stay away from this story as much as i can unless there's information we really can hang on to because there's been so much disinformation about jeffrey epstein don't worry he's still dead you're okay uh don't worry jelaine maxwell is still in jail donald trump's still defending her but the names of dozens of people in his orbit are going to be revealed early in the new year as part of a lawsuit filed against Elaine Maxwell. And yesterday, Manhattan federal judge Loretta Presca ordered another group of documents to be unsealed in this case. A lot of pleadings in the lawsuit, like Virginia Guffrey, who said that Prince Andrew had interfered with her, were filed under seal. The judge has released the secret court filings on a rolling basis since 2019. The Miami Herald sued to release the legal documents and they they ruled against revealing the names of victims who hadn't come forward yet publicly which i i i support but this judge had ordered previously sealed records related to epstein's recruiters and staffers and other associates to be released and then the anonymous parties are listed as does and uh these various individuals are noted as being public figures including one listed in epstein's address book um here's the deal folks you know how it works. If we found out, if we got the results and found out that, yes, Bill Clinton had been to Jeffrey Epstein's island, Democrats and liberals would uh, reject Bill Clinton. They would reject him and condemn him. If we found out from the records that Donald Trump had been to Epstein's island, Donald Trump supporters would reject the findings. You know. Let's go to uh, uh, Beachside Bill in Orlando. Bill, thank you for your patience on hold. Welcome. You're on Sirius XM Progress. Good evening. Hey, John. Good evening. Hi, sir. Hello. Oh. Hi. Hello. Good evening. Yes. I didn't know you were on. I was listening to you there. You're I, on. I, you, were about, you were talking about Biden earlier at, at, at Sandra Day O'Connor's thing, and I was noticing that Ginny was, kept talking to uh, Sam Alito, right? And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Clarence would sit there like a bump on a log. He's, he, know. you know, but but he didn't and, fall asleep, right? Is, Clarence Thomas, sta- he stayed awake for the whole funeral. I understand. He, he, yeah, he did. But but uh, Alito's just one angry fucking man. I've never seen it yes. like yesterday when he was standing there. Yes. He's just angry, just so fucking Hateful. angry. Uh, Hateful. Just, I mean, wealthy, just, powerful, set for life, and filled with rage. Yes. Uh, but I want to get to uh, the vice president, Vice President Please. Harris. She's going on Please. the uh, reproductive freedom tour. It's beginning in Ju- uh, January 24th smart, in, in Wisconsin. Smart, smart, smart. We need her down here. You remember after uh, earlier this year when uh, uh, Degenerate, my governor, signed that six-week ban, right? She yes, came I here do. immediately after. And they jumped all over her, but I'm glad she came here because she riled these fucking assholes up around here. And that's what we need. You know, the Democrats, you know, uh, we're, we're in the minority of the minority here. But we need something like that. We need the energy of the vice president to be here and speak her mind and don't hold back. I think back. she's great on the subject. She's great on the subject. They should be having her out there on point on abortion everywhere and on immigration, too. 
Yes. And let Joe Biden take, go out there and talk Bidenomics. Let him let him talk it. It's his it's his thing. Let that's his thing. Let him fucking do it because, you know, we're going to need her here. The 14th Amendment, I was thinking quick, you know, with Trump, I was thinking first thing that'll never that would call out. That'll never happen here in Florida. I think it's going to be a moot point, you know, next year with all these criminal uh, indictments and all these trials coming up against Trump. Yeah, he'll make a dollar off it. But I, I think it's going to be because no other state's going to try. Well, a few others will, but none of them down here will. Right. They're not going <laughs> to imagine trying to take Trump off the ballot here in Florida. We'd all we'd all be subject to. <laughs> I know, it'd be insane. Uh, it'd be insane. There'd be violence yeah, in the streets. Yeah, it's just a mad because Trump is loved here, you know, I I hate to say that, but he is and he lives here, you know, uh, and 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 look at look at where DeSantis is. (laughs) I can't believe that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just how low he's sunk, you know, isn't it great? I mean, are you are you enjoying that at all, Bill? Absolutely. I, I, of course I am. He's sinking like a lead weight. But the thing is, he, 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 he's bashing immigrants right behind Greg Abbott. But the problem is, is we need those we need those refugees here because they're going to be doing all the work and building and stuff because all these people are I fucking know. moving here. You know, it, it's yep. incredible. John. We can't take any more people. People. Not enough people are leaving. Not enough people are dying here. Unfortunately, all the old fucks. You know, I, you know. I one don't day know. I mean, die, but what are you? What are you saying? Are, are, are there? Are they? There? There are all the jobs filled. I mean, are are there no jobs for people? Because no. everything I hear, they're hiring. So they need more people. Yeah. And when you consider the fact yeah, they, that Gen X is having fewer children and aging, uh, Gen X is going to need someone to come and change their diapers and feed them when they're all in the old age homes. And so are the boomers as well. We're going to need more immigrants to come in this country because we've made it too expensive for people to have a lot of kids. Well, I, I agree exactly. But, the, uh, you know, what the future holds for them, you know, I, I've talked to I've, I've met a few like you have. And I've, I've said they're not worried about getting uh, citizenship. They just want to get here to work and, and feed they their families and live. I know that, that's all they want to do. And, and, and that, that, I support that. I'm always for it. I've never, never once said anything bad right about on. them because we need them. We do. They they are the America's future. Cause I'm one of these old baby boomers who didn't have kids. So, <laughs> you know, I'm living, I'm living fairly well because I didn't have right kids, you know, and, I, and great, I, I didn't contribute to that, you know, <laughs> sounds like porn for I, me. I sounds go, amazing. Yeah. I, I go back to earth day, 1970. The one thing I got out of that, there was 3 billion people in the 1970. Now there's 8 billion people. And I took it to earth. I said, I'm not going to have kids. And I didn't. So that's one Good of the for you, man. Yeah. When God said, when God said, be fruitful and multiply, there were two people. Now there's 8 billion. I, I think we can pull back a bit. <laughs> Bill, thank you so yeah. much for calling. It's a pleasure. Thanks, to hear John. From you. Talk soon.